sex talk. Derek and Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk. With Derek and Miley. Hello, folks. Welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I have a wonderful guest with me, Katie Warren. Katie, will you introduce yourself? Hi, guys. I'm Katie. I'm all the way from the UK, the United Kingdom, England, which is very exciting. I'm here with Erica today to talk about what life is like when you have an STD or an STI, however you want to say it. I have herpes. You know, that great one that everyone jokes about, the one that's for life. And the one that we all have. The, the, so yeah, many of us. <laughs> very, very true. I'm going to shock your minds and you'll maybe leave with this hearing that you have herpes yourself. So that's a, that's going to be fun. I love it. So I'm really excited. I'm so glad you're here with us today, Katie. Sorry, I'm not excited to give anyone her, like to, <laughs> to tell people they have herpes. That's not where I'm coming from. I'm just excited to share my knowledge with you. You know, hey, hey, you know, us sex nerds, like, <laughs> it's just we get excited about all the things. We can't even help ourselves. So I really want to start with your story, your sexual health story. How did you come to know that you had herpes? And how did you deal with that in the beginning? All the things. Fill us in. Perfect. So I'll take you back. Really brief story. I lost my virginity when I was 16. And I had the same sexual partner until I was 18. We'd been together for a very long time. I won one night stand and it was just a terrible experience. Um, (laughs) Tinder's not always your friends, ladies and gentlemen. Have low expectations. I had a boyfriend after that, but we didn't have sex. Um, We were only together for a few weeks. Um, Just an added layer to this, I'm actually a Christian. I was born and raised a Christian, but I'm a very sex positive Christian. And that's a big part of my message as well. We um, exist out here. We exist yeah, out exactly. here. Like, we, we exist. Like It's okay. So I literally a couple of weeks after I broke up with that boyfriend, I had met another guy. One of the loveliest guys I've ever met in my life. And just to clarify, I don't know. I can never know whether he's the one who gave me herpes. So we can't clarify anything. But during that relationship, I started getting discomfort. And just to be clear, I had been getting pain, vaginal pain, since I lost my virginity three years previous. Um, I had always been um, in a bit of pain here and there, really things I couldn't really describe. I'd gone to a couple of sexual health clinics and been checked. Nothing that they could see. They did think maybe I was allergic to sperm. That was thrown around a little bit, but inconclusive. This description is super important for people to hear because I think especially female-bodied people experience this a lot where you have some sort of pain or you have something about your body that you don't understand and you're going to health clinics and they're not super helpful either. I think this experience is really important for people to understand. Absolutely. So I'd also always had UTIs and stuff. I'd always had like thrush and and stuff like that. Always get it. And this pain that I had, I was really sure it was a UTI or something like that. I was so sure, but it was unlike any other pain I'd ever experienced in my life. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I couldn't move. I was actually sitting in university lectures literally crying to my friends like I'm in so much pain and I'd always found that I preferred going to a sexual health clinic than going to the doctors about this sort of thing because I just prefer the environment I prefer 
the doctors, their knowledge, and it just seems a lot easier. So I just literally just decided, I've got a couple of hours to kill. I'm just going to go to the sexual health clinic. So I sat there for about four hours, a long time, and they were lovely. They gave me paracetamol. They were they were really really nice, um, and I just kind of sat there. I went in. And I had this lovely, lovely woman and I explained to her all the pain. If I don't know what it's like in America, but obviously our sexual health system, all of our healthcare here is free in England. It wasn't anything I had to worry about. It was just something I was a bit like, well, I'm just going to go. She did ask me about all my sexual history previously, which is very common in a sexual health clinic because they don't have any records and it's all helpful to know their context. So a jump up and she was lovely. We were getting along. We were laughing and joking. It was all good. I jump up on the table pants down, all that sort of stuff, all good, all great. And she's getting in there. She's having a look round and she's wearing glasses, okay? So the reflection of her glasses that I'm looking at is just my vagina. So that's fun. And that was like the comedic moment. I was like, oh my gosh, I can literally see my vagina because she's wearing glasses. Um, And I think this is such an important detail because I think as women, we have had this, you know, when you've been to the clinic and you've had this examination and the doctor's wearing glasses and then you're confronted with your own vagina, like even in this process. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, because I tried to look at my own vagina while... I was in this pain to see what was happening and I couldn't see anything. Obviously, there's not much you can do with a handheld mirror and your own vagina in a public bathroom. So I knew that I was going to have to go and see someone. And basically, I was just like, what's going on? And she looked up and I was looking up so she could see my really nice double chin as well. And she just went, you've got herpes. And I burst into tears and I didn't just cry a little bit I was full body sobbing so I'm scooching myself off the table because I'm sobbing so hard and she's trying to look um just because I didn't know what that meant I couldn't believe that a good little Christian girl like myself had got an STD I'd only had sex with three people up until that point I thought you know this number equals this couldn't happen to me do you mean this can't happen to me exactly it was literally like she told me I was pregnant I genuinely felt like that was my world coming down around me. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is the end. So she, you know, kind of removed herself from where she was because I was crying and it was a bit weird for her, I think. So stare she at just, your vagina while, she, she, while you're exactly, crying. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I'm like, a bit like, a bit weird. So she got me some tissues and then went back and she did this swab, which most people do know, and I can go into more depth about, but there's two types of herpes, oral and genital. And it's possible to get oral on your genitals and genitals on your mouth. So she did a swab to check that what it was. And it was an alcohol swab. And she was like, it's going to hurt. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, it's going to hurt. Like doctors always say that. My God, I screamed. I genuinely was like, fucking bitch. I was like, oh my God. And she was like, I know it's painful. And I was like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I was like, oh. Um, And it was horrible. And because of obviously what she was doing, and it wasn't her at all, just because of the nature of what it is, there was a lot of blood. It was very, very painful. But she gave me a, like an add-on nappy, which had an ice pack in it. Oh, mm. bless that woman. Oh, I'm sure. We had one of those after, um, so I've had children. So after I had my son, I had one of those. That was like, oh. the. it was a blessing. 
<laughs> yeah, I literally, I was like, oh my God. And then that was it. She obviously gave me the medication. I could pick it up at that pharmacy. So I started taking it straight away and I left and I just phoned my best friend. I stood outside in the dark on my own. Um, and this was in a part of my university town that I don't know very well. So I was a bit lost. I just phoned my best friend and I was in tears and I was like, I've, I've got herpes. And she was like, what? And I was like, I've and she was in the car with our mutual friend, but I didn't want her to know. And in fact, when it happened, I didn't want to tell anyone. But anyone who knows me personally knows that that's not the way my life goes. So within about three days, I told everyone who I, it was important to tell. But yeah, that was basically it. And so I went home and I it took me about two weeks of just crying all the time because I just didn't know what it meant. And it's that stigma that's attached to it as well. But, you know, I'm here literally two years to the day later. I'm all good. Yes, we we right before we started, you'd figured out like today's the anniversary. I was like, yeah, today is the anniversary when I found out, which is so weird. So it's been like two years, two years, yeah, two years today. And I think I just am so I I feel so honored that you're willing to tell this story, and so that our listeners can hear. Like, yes, it was an incredibly difficult thing for you to go through the diagnosis, and what it made you do in that moment and consider was a lot. But the biggest reason we're talking about this is so that if this ever happens to you, listeners, that you don't feel like your entire world is going to end. Oh God, absolutely. I mean, for me, the biggest, biggest thing was obviously the shame. The well, or I'm not gonna say the shame, the alleged shame that you should feel about having an STD. Because I was with someone at the time, but we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. We were exclusive, but we were just dating. And I thought, I'm gonna have to tell him, which I can get into that bit in a minute. And I and I thought at the time, I'm gonna have to tell people which I didn't want to. I wanted to keep it this big, de- you know, dark, deep secret. I thought about all the things that you naturally do. As an example, you know, if I'm sleeping over at my best friend's house and I forget pants, I borrow her pants. And so I thought, crap, what does that mean? Like, I can't do those little things anymore or, you know, share a towel with someone and do all those things that are so part and parcel of being uh, in your early 20s. Do you know what I mean? There's just like those little things which you don't which is what obviously you assume at the beginning but actually all of those things i've just listed are completely untrue and you can still do but it's that that catastrophizing that we do when we have a lot of shame around something mm. that i'm alone no one else is dealing with this and i'm now severely limited from everything like that's what our brain does right like and culture has kind of helped encourage those those shame thoughts right absolutely i mean that herpes is for life thing that I remember we used to joke about at secondary school or high school all the time. Um, you know, everyone joked about herpes and if someone had a cold sore, oh my God, it's, they've got herpes, like stay away from them. Once you get that, that's for life. All that sort of stuff. And I just thought, oh my God, it really is for life. And I have it. Mm-hmm. Right. So tell us a little bit about the process of telling others and then tell us a little bit about the process about how you came to face this shame and and really break this down for yourself. Mm. So one important thing I'm going to stress is that herpes is really, really common. Two thirds of the world have herpes. So because of the amount of people. So basically after I had that initial appointment, I went back and had another appointment with them where they gave me some more information and stuff like that. And in that appointment, we talked about telling people. Now, because such a high amount of the population have it, 
You are under no obligation to tell anyone. No legal obligation. You don't have to say anything to anyone. So I was so blessed with that because I didn't have to phone my previous sexual partners and say, hey, by the way, I think I might, you know, you have herpes or or I've got herpes now, so you might have it, which was amazing. And it was just like such a relief to not have to do that. So that was a a great thing for me that I didn't have to do that. But I think that our listeners should know that not every STI or STD is that mm. way, that because of what you just said, the commonality of it, that it's not necessarily a requirement. And and I think some states, at least in the United States, have different, we're still weird about our sexual laws in the United States. So in some states, they may still require it. So be sure to check yeah, with your doctors. Sorry. For, be for sure the UK, we don't have to say anything. Because they record it is so common. Right. And like for here, he and I, I think it is this way for in the UK, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you were exposed to HIV or you had an AIDS diagnosis, that you would have yeah, to Yeah, you would people. have to um I think actually well, I mean, I think you can get sued if you don't. I'm correct me if I'm wrong anyone in the comments correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you can be sued. So I think it's the best obviously to tell people, but even things like chlamydia and other ones kind of along that line, they're ones that you also should be saying. They suggest that you do. And I think as well, like, you know, I did actually tell my first boyfriend in the end, by the way, I've got this. And for me, the other two boys in between, they weren't really that important, but he was my first love, you know, very, very important person to me and still is to this day. I respected him enough to take my pride down a little bit and tell him because I felt like it was important that he knows because I don't know where I got it from. So I think a lot of people, it's good to say, but also hopefully you respect and like the people that you've slept with enough that you would want to let them know anyway, just so that if anything did happen, you can just be like, oh, hey, just so you know. I think that's something that people forget, that you respecting yourself by getting checked and then finding out is also respecting them by telling them then the mm, results. Absolutely. If you have this value of authenticity and sharing your story with other people, it goes for this too. So I think you're absolutely right on with this. I think you know, you you're showing that, you know what, I'm an authentic person. I'm going to make sure that you know this thing. It's important you know mm. this thing. No, a hundred percent. So after I called my best friend, I phoned the boy I was with at the time and I told him. And he was like, okay, right. And he didn't really, he got it 100%, but he was quite closed off. He did, because I, I was crying so much. He didn't, couldn't really, I wasn't giving him the space to show his own emotions. So, but that was all fine. And we were together for like five months after that. So that was all good. I then told my parents, which some people might not want to do, but I wanted to tell my parents. I thought it was right that they knew. I felt comfortable with them knowing. And it's a part, you know, once you've got something for life, it becomes a part of who you are. And so I felt like it was wrong for me to hide that from them. Ironically, it was the same day that um, my sister got three unconditional offers to university. So that was a fun dinner table experience. You know, one daughter gets an STD and one one daughter gets three unconditional offers to uni. So that was fun for me. And who's the favorite today? (laughs) Yeah, do you know what I mean? I was a bit like, oh, great. But my parents being Christians as well and having raised me in that environment, they weren't happy. But ultimately, no parent 
who has a child with an STD is ever going to be happy for multiple reasons, what that child is going through. And at this point as well, this was the weekend of the that I'd been diagnosed and I was still in excruciating pain at this point. I was, my dad had to actually come and get me from uni instead of me getting the train because I was in so much pain. And I think that that almost worked in my favor because they could see that this was something I was really dealing with. And my mum was, you know, doing research to try and see what, um, you know, would help me with the pain and, and all that sort of stuff. So they were actually really, really good with it. And I, you know, I appreciate that so much. And then after that, I didn't really tell anyone that important. Since then, it's just been something that comes out when I'm drinking. It'll be people like, you know, never have I ever drink if you've ever had an STD. And then I drink. Then everyone's like, oh, my gosh, not you. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) it is me. I have an STD. (laughs) And that's it. So that's basically been me telling people. I love that that's one that comes out and then, and then they automatically assume not you. And I, and I think that's just such a, it's such a powerful way to show people like, no, everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the main reason it comes out is the guy who I was with when I got it recorded me an album of songs, all dedicated to the fact that he might have given Aww. me herpes. <laughs> oh so you've love- got like um, Shaggy's It Wasn't Me. <laughs> Um, you've got Coldplay's Fix You. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's bad. And he sings them. And I mean, bless his cotton socks. He's done great. I mean, he's a terrible singer, but my God, he really put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> You're Beautiful by James Blunt. No kidding. Hero by Enrique Iglesias. Oh, I'm sorry, wow. I'm trying to think of songs while I'm here. So really, it's not me saying it. It's me playing the songs when I get drunk. I quite like to put them on because it's obviously the background is, of the music is the same. I like to put them on when people are just dancing and then I like to wait till they until they hear the lyrics and then see what they do. I don't know, it's just what drunk Katie does. I can't help it, but yeah. <laughs> I just absolutely love one that he made this and one that now this is tradition. Yeah, and literally it's tradition. Like every time I'm anywhere and get drunk, they're like, play the herpes songs, play the herpes songs. And I'm like, okay. So uh, you know. <laughs> It's the Spotify playlist. Literally, it's provided a lot of entertainment for my family and friends. So all good things. I mean, your parents seem to have come to terms like with and I think that it is important to kind of talk about like the issue of that that the Christian faith. I am a person of faith and I I know for a fact the church has not done a good job about one talking about anything sexual. Oh yeah, God forbid <laughs> you mention she- sex in your church. <laughs> and so how have you kind of come to terms with some of that yourself? And if somebody were today having to come to terms with this thing, what would be the first thing you'd tell them to do? So the Christian thing is actually an interesting story. So a week after I'd been diagnosed, I was at church and everyone was, you know, we were just worshiping and stuff and people were coming forward with words. And I really felt God say to me, you know, I think you should talk about the fact that you've been diagnosed with something, but that doesn't take away who you are. Because for me, I was really carrying around this label of slut and all this sort of stuff, because that's what I associated with having an STD. You know, the words like slut, whore, all these things, which are simply untrue. Absolutely. So I decided to speak. So I went up to the front and I was like, can I, can I speak? And I basically said, I've been diagnosed with something recently which has changed the perception of who I am but it hasn't changed the perception of who God knows me to be 
Because obviously he mm. knew I had herpes before I knew I had herpes. So he always knew that. And so that was really great. But one thing that came out of that was a friend of mine who I had told, we were all praying together. And she said to me, God's asking me to ask you, what does your name mean? As in, what does my name? So my name's Katie and my middle name is Elise. And she said, what does your name mean? And my actual name means pure maiden dedicated to God. And so she was like, well, that's exactly what you are. That's what your name is. So God's telling you like, it, it's wiped clean. We're not, but he's not bothered by it. And basically that was where she was going with it. And so for me, that was such a like, a okay, yeah, actually my identity first is Katie before anything else. And my name, my literal name means pure maiden dedicated to God. So that's for me when it came to my faith, how I was able to get over that. And then for anyone who's got it, who's just been diagnosed, if you're literally listening to this just being diagnosed, I can't give you the perfect advice, but my advice would be two things. Number one, tell someone, talk to someone, open up about it. Don't hold it inside because it it literally can, can tear you apart and, and it affects so much of your identity if you do that. And then the second thing is to do your research. Yes. Because we have such a twisted idea in society of what herpes and what an STD means. And actually, you need to do your research. You need to learn about this because this is a condition you have. Because for me, whenever I tell someone I have it, I almost want to give them a PowerPoint and be like, I have herpes and this is what this means. Because then they're like... Yes, mini PowerPoint everywhere you go. Well, literally, they're like, oh my gosh, can you pass it to people? How do people get it? Can you give it to everyone every time you have sex? Can you never have sex again? Are you constantly in pain? You've got like herpes right now and it really, really hurts right now. Is it the same as cold So They have all those questions and it's like... And they want the answer so quickly. So I feel like do your research because then when someone says to you, hey, okay, but what about this? You can say, okay, well, this is the evidence right now. It might change, but this is what it says. And this is what I'm going off and this is what I think. So you can form your own opinions, but do you know what I mean? So it, I would just say, do your research and talk to people. Exactly. And talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Or, or... <laughs> talk to either of us. Like you can talk to us. Yes. Yes. Shoot one of us an email. We'll make sure we share all the things so that all All of you, if you have questions, we're happy to answer them. I get DMs all the time of questions about these things. So let's, let's run down maybe some of these questions a little bit. So after your, I would imagine after you started to heal, what did they tell you to expect? And that's another thing. Everything's different for everyone. So for me, yes, everybody's biology is different. different. So to break it down, I'm not in pain right now. I have no active herpes, if you will, right now. Because herpes is a... I mean, I might... Please be aware, I might get this wrong. I'm not a human encyclopedia, but I'm doing my best here. Herpes is like a virus. Now, some viruses, like chickenpox, lay dormant in your in your system for the rest of your life. But some, like herpes, will become active and dormant at different points of your life, depending on who you are, your biology, and what's going on around you. So I right now have had dormant herpes for a very, very long time. I haven't had an active outbreak. There are certain things I know that will bring on an active outbreak. So lots of exercise. If I get very sweaty, if I'm not keeping up with my hygiene, which obviously I do, um, wearing very tight underwear, very tight clothes, things like drinking lots of alcohol. 
in like a very, if I have like a really big binge weekend, I know that that's not going to be good for me. Not drinking enough water, stress, not sleeping well, all those general things that they tell you to be healthy in any way, those general things, I know that will impact me in that way. But some people have it all the time. Some people, you know, they have it on and off for months and months on end for the rest of their lives. So it's, it's so different for everyone. I'm a, I'm in the really fortunate majority who only have it every now and then. And when I do, I just go back to the doctors and I say, hello, medication, please. They give me the medication. And one thing about herpes is, is that your first experience is always going to be the worst. And then after that, it is said to get a lot easier. And in my experience, and in a lot of people that I know, every single time after that, it's less painful. The first one is really bad. But after that, it's not as bad. So it becomes more manageable. And you pick up little tips and tricks along the way of good drinks to drink, good ways to pee, because peeing when you have her when you have active herpes is very, very painful. You know, just little like self-care vagina things that you learn along the way. So I was told to expect anything, literally anything, because I can't tell what happens. But I was very lucky. Um, you know, like the vast majority of people not all the time, every now and then, but I know how to deal with it. And I'm pretty, pretty good with that. Absolutely. Obviously the UK and their, your medical system, our American medical system needs to learn a thing or two because just plain access might be an issue for people around the world. So, but we still encourage you, please seek out medical attention. Do not let this go. Do not let it just continue. If you were to have a broken bone, if you were to have a serious flu, you would go to the doctor. The same thing goes for this, for STDs and STIs. And even before any of that ever happens, please, be checked get tested absolutely a hundred percent sorry I'm so I tell all my friends go and get checked and no one likes to do it and okay I understand that being exposed can be uncomfortable but it's just so healthy to go and get checked go and look after yourself you know and I've got a lot of friends being a Christian I've got a lot of friends who decide to wait till marriage and some of those friends will ask my opinion on sex because I'm sometimes I'm the only person in their friendship circle who's had who's had sex and had different kind of sex and, and that sort of thing. And my one piece of advice is before you get married and you know if you're deciding to wait till marriage, or even if you're not and you know you're gonna go and have has sex, go and get checked anyway. Because it's so handy to have some idea of a clean slate, find out what's going on, make sure everything's okay. Because a lot of the time, if, if that's the kind of environment you've grown up in, or that's the kind of environment you live in, and that's the kind of lifestyle you have, you've never really looked at your own vagina. You've never really done any exploration because, you know, masturbation isn't something that's encouraged in the Christian community. Um, and you might have just generally never seen your own vagina in a, an anatomy kind of way. So my biggest advice is always, always go and get checked because they'll tell you things. And I had a friend that said, do you not feel like they're wa- you're wasting their time? And I actually went with a friend who went for this exact reason. And they were like, okay, so this is your clitoris. This normally feels good to some people. Um, so that is something that your husband might want to try when you guys are having sex. This is something else. When you have sex for the first time, you might experience pain in these following areas. This is something we would be concerned about. This is something we wouldn't be concerned about. And it's so handy because I always think of these 
Christian girls who might not have any idea what's going on when it comes to sex go on their honeymoon for three weeks to the Caribbean, have sex for the first time, and they're then ex- in excruciating pain. And I'm oh, like, shit. why would you not do any research? Like, do you know what I mean? I'm just like, I, that's what I always think about. I'm like, just go to the doctors. They can just tell you what's good, what's not good. And then you're prepared. You know. Yes. I can't tell you how many times clients tell me, oh, why would I need to take my, you know, 13-year-old to the doctor to have their first exam? They're not going to be having sex. And I'm like, horseshit, one. But two, here's the thing. Like, this is not just about sex. This is about physical health, that your vagina, your genitalia is included in this body. It is not something separate from the rest of you. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, like, my mum, when my mum started her period she was at boarding school my grandma turned up gave her some sanitary towels and left that was Oof. it and you mean it's just like there's no like you know this is something that every nearly the vast majority stereotyping a lot there but the vast majority of women will experience you know having a vagina and you needing to use that vagina for a variety of things. And it's just like, we should be learning how to look after our vagina. And I think like it is harder for women because it's all internal. With guys, their penis is in front of them. But with girls, you can't really get a good look up there, you know, crouched in a bathroom stall with a hand mirror. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's good to have someone look at it, like, just to be like, okay, cool, this is there and that. And then, you know, and the funny thing is, is that when you see other vaginas, you realise, my God, my vagina is so different to everyone else's in my like, I am the only one of my friends with my type of vagina. They're they're and so varied across so all of varied. us. And it's just like so I'm my only only person I know with my type of vagina. Everyone else I know has got a different type of vagina to me. But could you imagine how I would feel if I hadn't been to, you know, a clinic and they were like, yeah, your vagina all looks good. The first time I would have seen another vagina I'd have thought, oh my God God, <laughs> my vagina is n- not like anyone else's. Either it's really fucking special or it is deformed. Do you yeah, know what I mean? like, like- <laughs> and of course, that's typically we go, oh, I must be completely deformed. Like that's usually the, the path that because of the shame and culture, because so many, not, not whether you're a Christian or not, like no matter what faith perspective you belong to, we're not good at talking about this. That's why, that's why Katie and I are here talking is that we want to be able to have all of you out here having wonderful sexual experiences, understand your body fully and wholly, and that you don't feel shame the first time you have sex. And that you know that, oh, guess what? If you use some lubricant the first time you have sex, it probably won't hurt. But I mean, there are so many people that I work with that their first time hearing about sex completely may be from me. Mm. And they're in their 40s. So that entire time growing up, it was guess and check. And that's that's not okay. This we have to live in this body. We should sure as hell know how it works. Mm, absolutely. I mean, my losing my virginity story again was something. Um, and I don't know if we've got obviously time to go into that now, but it's unlike anything that my friends ever experienced. But I was the first of my friends to lose their virginity, and my experience was very, very, very vastly different to theirs. And I remember. My immediate reaction after I'd lost my virginity was, well, I'm never doing that again and no one should ever have sex. It's a traumatic experience. We should never, ever do it. 
well, that's it. I've lost my virginity and that's and I'm, that's never happening again. I remember literally calling up my friends and being like, okay, so just FYI, don't have sex. It's horrible. <laughs> it's so unfair to you, <laughs> you know? I mean? Exactly, exactly. And I mean, luckily, like, you know, after that, and ultimately for me, it broke, came down to the fact that I wasn't ready. I thought I was, but I wasn't ready. And emotionally, it was a very difficult situation for me. And I really, really struggled actually afterwards. It was something I really struggled with, but because of my parents being Christians and because of me being a Christian as well, I think that played into it. And I didn't really feel like I could talk to people. And my friends were being like, don't be ridiculous because losing your virginity, having sex is great. And I'm like, no, it's not. But luckily since then, I've had a lot of better sex. But that's the thing. Do you mean know? But it's all about, if you don't talk to people about this sort of thing, you'll never know whether your experience is normal. Yes. And I think this is a great point. This right here is the best point for us to wrap up on because I think that that is exactly the entirety of this episode. That's like the best wrap up. <laughs> like you need to know it so that you understand that you're, you're not alone and that a lot of this is normal. So how do people find you in the world, Katie? If you want to find me, I actually host my own podcast, which Erica will be joining me on, which is very, very exciting. So my podcast is called The Flourish Podcast. And that is where you can listen to me just talking about my things. And then apart from that, Instagram is genuinely the best place to find me. And that is, again, The Flourish Podcast, or one word. And they're the best places to find me, basically. Fantastic. And I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes for all of you to find Katie again. Thank you for coming to talk with me. I appreciate it so very much. Anytime. I actually loved it. I knew I would love it, but I I really loved it. Absolutely. So thank you all for joining us to the end, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.